Are you wanting to live a life with more clarity and happiness? I'm Tammy Hill, a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex educator, wife, mother, and grandmother. I am also an optimist. I strive to live my life on purpose, with purpose. I'm here to inspire people to do the things that inspire them. Live Your Why means to align your core values with the way you want to spend your time. Living My Why includes bridging the gap of understanding sex as both a sacred marital act and as pleasurable, passionate energy that adds zest and happiness to life. I want you to embrace sexual joy without shame. Integrating your sexual nature for goodness will bring you strength, joy, and peace. Join me this season for the Live Your Why podcast, and together we can live a life full of passion and purpose. Hi, this is Tammy Hill. Welcome to another Live Your Why podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about writing your own love story. Don't you love the sound of that? Writing your own love story. We've all had fairy tales that we've watched or read and think about the expectations we have for future lives and marriage. Today, we're going to talk to marriage and relationship coach, Monica Tanner, and she's going to help us understand how we can write the love story of our dreams. Listen in today on the Live Your Why podcast. This is Tammy Hill, and this is the Live Your Wife podcast. I am super excited today to talk to a friend, Monica Tanner. She has a business all about making marriage passionate and intimacy fun, and she's the perfect guest to have on this podcast. So I'm going to welcome Monica Tanner. Thanks for joining me today. Yay! I'm so excited to be here with you, Tammy. I'm excited to talk to you, too. You do so many fun things. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us why you are so passionate about marriage. Yeah, so my name is Monica Tanner. I have been married to the man of my dreams for 21 years. Mm. We have four amazing children. The oldest is serving a mission in Chile currently. We have two high school daughters and a son who just started middle school. So we have a busy, bustling household. We have so much fun together. We are not perfect. Our kids are not perfect, but we sure have a lot of fun and laughter and love in our home. So that's just a little more about me. And I think I got so passionate about marriage when I turned 12, my parents announced that they were getting a divorce. Mm. And I grew up, I felt like such a perfect childhood. You know, I grew up watching Disney movies and fairy tales. And I just couldn't believe when my parents told me that they were getting a divorce because none of the stories that I loved you know, had that type of ending. And I thought, what on earth is happening here? And I don't ever remember experiencing any struggle or strife in their marriage. They were, you know, they seemed to be pretty good friends and get along great. And it just kind of came out of left field for my brother and I. So I got really obsessed with relationships. And so I started observing my friends' parents' relationships. And A lot of my friends' parents were divorced, and the ones who were married didn't seem very happy most of the time. And so I felt like I I made it my mission to figure out if 
happily ever after was even really possible. And when I got married, I think I was still very skeptical and we struggled for a lot of years. And I'm happy to report now (laughs) (laughs) that I know that it is possible. I have spent a decade interviewing couples who have, have created really happy, joyful marriages and, you know, all the experts. And I've read all the books and listened to all the podcasts and gone to all the workshops. And I really, my life now, my passion now is about sharing the secrets that I've learned and cross-referenced in my own marriage about what makes happily ever after a lot more likely. Hmm, I just love that. And I love your passion for this. It's so fun to observe what you do and be involved in the things that you do, Monica. So you say you had a struggle and you're even skeptical at the beginning. And yet now it's like better than you could ever have imagined. So obviously there's some intentional things you've done between those two periods of your life. Are there a couple you can share with us? What did you do to make it so good? You know, I think learning how to be the author of my own story was the biggest thing. I think doing all of my own personal work so that kind of my unconscious conditioning and the things that had kind of been put into me growing up and the adaptations that I created to get the love that I felt like I wanted and needed, I had to really do a lot of work in understanding what those were for me, how to make different choices, and just realizing that I didn't have to just go through the motions. I didn't have to just be a victim of of what life had kind of handed me, that I could really take control and empower myself to create my own story. And I wanted that story to be happily ever after. And so learning the skill sets, because relationship really is a skill set. You know, it's not something you're born with or not born with. There are these relational skills that we can practice and learn and develop. And I do believe, and I'm sure we'll get into this later in the podcast, I do believe that just as matter is governed by the laws of gravity, whether you understand them or not, if I throw a pen up in the air, it's going to come right back down. So if I understand that principle, it's a lot less frustrating Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. a lot more predictable. And I believe that marriage or relationships, I'm sorry, are governed by a similar set of principles or laws. And most people don't take the time to understand those laws. And so they get really frustrated or resentful or, you know, it's hard to work against something that's functioning in the background, whether you like it or not. And so I've done a lot of work in understanding what these laws or principles that govern relationships are. And I try to share those in really actionable and understandable ways. So once you start to understand these laws that are behind how relationships work, it makes things a lot more predictable. It makes things a lot more joyful. It makes, you know, you're working with the laws of the universe versus against them. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just jump in and have you share what are those laws that you've learned? <laughs> well, there's 12 of them. And oh, I'm writing oh, a book. oh. So <laughs> You're writing a book? Go super, yes, awesome. I, yes, that's my hope. And I'm putting out in the universe as me, in many places as I can. Don't hold me accountable <laughs> because I really do think those are the secrets of, of happily ever after are these laws that govern relationships. But really simple ones are like, you know, I I think lots of people talk about it, 
But the only thing you can control in any given circumstance is yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of misery and a lot of suffering comes about when we're trying so hard to control things that we can't control. And a lot of those things are the people that we're in relationship with, our spouse, our children, our in-laws, our coworkers, right? We have this manual of operation that we think everybody should be doing the things that make us happy and comfortable. And we get really frustrated when they don't. And so I think just the acceptance of understanding that everybody else out in the world gets to do whatever they want. They get to show up and behave and do all the things that they're going to do. And our job is to control what we can control, which is our thoughts, our behaviors, our actions, our what we eat, what we think about, what we read, right? All of those things are within our control. And so the only thing we get to control is how we show up. Mm. That's such a fundamental principle, isn't it? I marvel at agency when you, when we ponder what we understand about the pre-mortal world before we're here on earth and the war in heaven was all about us being able to have this agency. And yet when we're here, we kind of want to take agency away from people around us and control situations. And It would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, especially with your children, it would. I think sitting back and realizing, hey, this is what we fought for. This is what we wanted. And we've got yeah. to just let, you know learn to control what we can, which is ourselves. I remember several years ago in one of my classes at BYU, I was lecturing about the importance of friendship in marriage. And Mm. I remember a student sitting kind of close to the front row. She said, I don't want to be married to my friend. (laughs) it It just took my breath away. And I looked at her and I my, the first thing I thought, which I didn't say, was, oh, my goodness, you're an idiot. Why wouldn't you want to be <laughs> married to your friend? But don't you find, Monica, that friendship is really ultimately at the core of marriage? If you want to have a, a happy, passionate marriage, you've got to be good friends, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I love, there's a meme floating around. It's something like marriage is a, is a constant sleepover with the person that drives you crazy or something (laughs) like that. And I just, absolutely. I mean, friendship is something that's forged. It's earned, right? You don't just get to be friends. And so I think that's really telling of marriage. You have to decide, you have to prioritize it, you have to invest in it. You, and and then you get the beautiful benefits of marriage, which I think one of the most beautiful benefits benefits of marriage is that you have this person by your side who is there for you through thick and thin, and they're not going to take your challenges away from you, but they're going to witness you and they're going to grow with you and they're going to support you and love you and be there for you. And I feel like my marriage really got good when I finally settled into the, the trust and security of that, knowing that we could go through really difficult times, that I could work through really difficult times and he could work through really difficult times and we could still choose to be there for each other even when we weren't at our best. Mm-hmm. I agree. So Monica, when we talked about doing this podcast, you really wanted to focus on you write your own love story. And I just think that sounds so fun. <laughs> it just sounds great. So I want you to kind of tell us what are the key ideas that couples need in order to write their own love story? Yeah, I think in order for us to actually do this and to actually like empower ourselves to break free from all of the, you know, 
pre-written preamble stuff, we have to understand that when we're young, we don't really have any control over what we're learning and what we're observing from our parents and our caregivers, especially when it comes to our relational conditioning. And so what I mean by that is growing up, we're like little sponges, right? We're taking in the ways that our parents relate to each other or, or to us. And it creates kind of this relational blueprint of how we're going to naturally relate to others as we start branching out and forming our own relationships. So just understanding that already gives you the opportunity to now do something with it. Mm-hmm. So when we know that we've we've been given a lot of this conditioning, and I like the way Emily Nagoski talks about this in terms of a garden, right? So it's like we're this garden, and when we're young, when we're just starting out, our parents are planting all the things in the garden. So, you know, they could be vegetables that we don't like, fla- you know, flowers that we're allergic to, or or they could just not be tending it at all and, and letting the weeds grow or whatever, right? And so the moment we become adults, we become responsible for this garden. So no matter what has been planted there, we have the opportunity to uproot the things that aren't serving us anymore. We can put nutrients in the soil, we can rototill it out, and we can then plant what is nourishing and and a blessing to us. And so knowing that that's how that goes is the first step. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Family of origin just absolutely gives you so much good information sometimes and so much bad information sometimes. What else do you do? Yeah. And the truth is you can't ignore it. You can't ignore family of origin. Like, you know, there's a lot of don't look backwards. You're not going that way, but you've got to really root through that. You've got to decide what you want to take with you and what's acting on you. Because the other thing that we get from our family of origin is I call them adaptations for these early formative years that dictate how we understand the behaviors of others and how we can pull love and belonging from the group that also influences how we show up in our relationships later on. So I can tell a personal story later about, you know, kind of my own adaptations and how that caused a lot of pain and challenge in my own relationship until I started to recognize what those were. And then I could make a different choice. So all of our conditioning and all of our adaptations, those make up the story, the the ones that we tell ourselves that ultimately dictate who we are in relationship to ourselves and others. And I think the most important work that we can do in this life is to examine our stories and be able to see if they're serving us or if they're keeping us unstuck and happy because the reality is that it's the story that we're telling ourselves that ultimately dictates how we're going to show up, what our actions are, what we're going to do in in our lives. Yeah. Sounds like narrative therapy, actually. It's our story. (laughs) It's our story that kind of, we decide a lot with what we keep telling ourselves about our lives and about ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And so one of my main things that I, I help my couples that I work with do is rewrite those stories. It's like, understand the story that you're telling yourself. And if you don't like it, the best thing we can do is go through what I call this process to rewrite the stories. And it's pretty simple. I'll simplify it down for you for the time that we have. But one of the best things we can do is to do what I call these thought downloads. And I have a a whole training with lots of moving pieces, but 
in the simplest form, it's just to set a timer for three to five minutes and then write down everything you're thinking about a certain situation or relationship in your life, completely unedited. Don't worry about spelling, don't worry about grammar, don't say like, ooh, that's a bad thought. Just write down everything that you're thinking about a situation. So let's say you and your husband, that you get in a terrible fight and you're trying to like figure out what's going on. I want you to just set a timer for three to five minutes and write down everything you're feeling, thinking about the situation. And then before you go and try to talk to him about it, or before you try to go and and figure it out, do this exercise. Now, once you've completed your thought download and you've just got a whole bunch of raw and edited mumbo jumbo down there, I want you to ask yourself two questions. Number one, is this the story I want to be remembered for? And number two, does this story that I'm looking at make me show up the way I want to in my relationship. Now, if the answer to both of those questions is yes, then great. Excellent. You've got a great story. It's serving you. You're golden. But if the answer to either of those questions is no, then you've got a little bit of work to do. And so the next step would be to separate the sentences into thoughts and facts. Now, the facts... And you'll find that whenever you do this, there's very few facts Mm -hmm. in any thought download. But facts can be proven in a court of law. They're the types (laughs) of things that if a video camera was watching you, that they would pick up on. They're like things that can't be argued. It's like where you were standing or, you know, those types of things. Those are facts. Everything else is going to be a thought. Now, your thoughts are what dictate your reality. And the good news about thoughts is that they're completely optional. Now, most people don't understand this. They think that their thoughts are facts. And so they get really stuck in either this victim mentality or, you know, they think that this is just the way things are and they can't change it. But the reality is that your thoughts are completely optional. Now, I'm not telling you to like create this fantasy land. I'm just telling you to consider the possibility that the way you're thinking about a certain situation might not be exactly how things are. And so there's certain things that you can do, like adding little endings to your thoughts. So like maybe, okay, or so what? Those are three little appendages you can put at the end of any thought. Like my husband is a total cheapskate. Maybe, okay, so what? And that might help you kind of dislodge that thought and see if you can find a thought that serves you a little bit better. Now, once you learn how to do this well, you empower yourself to break free from that conditioning and those adaptations, and you'll literally be able to write your own story at that point. You're not held captive by the stories that your brain is just because your brain's trying to protect you and keep you safe. It wants you to believe these things. But now when you can look at it on paper and you can do this work on it, you can now decide, is this the story I want to be remembered for? Is this how I want to show up in my life and in my marriage? And if the answer is no, then you get to change those thoughts. You get to change that story. And as a caution, you can't control your circumstances. So the facts in that story are going to be the facts, right? If it's raining, it's raining. If, you know, the economy is 
bad, the economy is bad. If you are broke, you are broke. You can't change your circumstances. But this is the second law of of connection. The second law that I teach is that no matter what your circumstances, you are 100% in control of your experience that you're having in that circumstance. Now, that's a really tough one. But when you get good at this rewriting your story, you understand that you could, even in the worst of circumstances, you can change your experience because that can never be taken from you. Now, that's a, I've learned that from Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor. And he went through the most heinous and horrendous of circumstances. But through it all, he came up with what's called logotherapy. But he said that everything can be taken from a man, but the last of the human freedoms, which is to choose one's own way. And what he means by that is that you can rewrite the story. You can respond, react, and relate to your circumstances in any way that you want to once you master this. Mm-hmm. And what a great thing to master, you know? So, right. so intentional. And I guess just Briefly, one of the things I've learned as a therapist and a coach is that I can give all these beautiful tools to people coming and seeking my help, but it requires self-restraint in order for people to implement these tools to help things get better. Any little tidbits on self-restraint? How do you help people help themselves to slow down and actually do this work? Yeah. You know, uh, to me, I feel like sometimes it's going to take a very difficult circumstance to, you know, get them to do it. Like you, they say, you know, you have to hit rock bottom or mm-hmm. you, you have to, to me, what I've witnessed and kind of experienced is that people have to get to the place where their adaptations are no longer working for them. Mm -hmm. And that's when they can start to really do this work. Mm -hmm. And so for me in my own life, like I told you, when I first got married, I was really skeptical. I I didn't think that uh, happily ever after was possible. And what that meant for me was, is that I hadn't seen it done before And my conditioning and my adaptations were making it really difficult for me to just enjoy my marriage. So for me, we'd been married about seven years. We had three beautiful children, a home. We had built this business together that I was still very much a part of. And one of my adaptations, because of my experience growing up, was in order for me to be loved, I felt like I had to be perfect. And so I was always trying to earn this love by being perfect. Like I got really good grades. I was a great student and a great athlete. And I you know, did all the clubs because I thought that I had to earn this love and acceptance. And that was one of my biggest adaptations. And so here I am, a young mother with three kids a business owner, and I wasn't doing anything perfectly. You know, my husband would come home after a long day of work and I had missed deadlines. The house was a mess. Dinner wasn't ready. The kids were all over the place, not happy. And I felt like I was failing in every possible way that I could fail. And it threw me into this crippling anxiety because the story that I had told myself was that I wasn't worthy of this beautiful life that we were creating together, that I would never be able to pull this off. Like, who did I think I am? I don't know how to be a wife and a mother and a business owner. I don't know how to do all of these things. And so 
I wasn't able to do anything. I couldn't even dress myself oh. in the morning. I didn't, I couldn't take care of my kids. I, you know, I was, I was literally creating the story that I was most afraid of. Mm. And it took that kind of crisis for me to get the help that I needed. I actually, it was a beautiful thing. I, I went home to my mom, who was a therapist, who saw a lot of this conditioning go into me. It was a big part of a lot of this conditioning, right? And I had watched her kind of blow up her life at a certain point. She blew up her life and had to go through some horrible things to finally understand that she was worthy of all the love and happiness that that was available to her, right? And this was conditioning that was my great grandma gave to my grandma, that gave to my mom, that gave to me. And so when I started to face those things and when I kind of started to look at the reality of my life and realize that all of that wasn't my fault, but that I did have the power to change all of that was when I finally took control of the story that was playing out. I stopped being afraid that I was going to redo all of the mistakes that my parents made. And I started saying, no, this is my life. This is my story. And we're going to make it a really, really good one. And so then I kind of, you know, spent a decade learning and, and relearning and unlearning and all of the things to create you know, this framework that I now teach for rewriting your story, because it's really, really powerful when you realize that you don't have to relive your parents' story, that you have, you don't have to be subject to the conditioning and the adaptations that you picked up growing up, that you actually get to make your own choices and your choices are now going to create the story that you get to be remembered by. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. And thank you for being so willing to be vulnerable and share what a crisis and a hard time for you. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I'm going to jump right into my favorite subject with Monica. And we're going to talk about how sex, which is such an important way for couples to connect. How can couples work together to create passionate marriages and write their own story sexually? We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tammy Hill. I am the author of the book, Replenish, Creating Sexual Fulfillment in Marriage. I don't know if you've received a copy of my book yet. If not, you can grab one on my website, on my Instagram shop, or you can even get it on Amazon. This book was published in 2023, and it is seven years compilation of work that I've done. It includes principles around sexuality. It includes ideas for how couples can communicate and process how they feel about sexuality. And it includes a lot of experiential activities that you can share together in the bedroom. This book is perfect for couples who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is wonderful for couples who are engaged. The first two sections of the book are perfect for those who are engaged to be able to process and prepare for their sexual futures. I hope you'll take advantage of all of my work in one place. Replenish. Check it out. All right, we're back with Monica Tanner, and I'm excited, Monica, for you to share with us some ideas you have around intimacy and how couples can make their marriages passionate and how can they write their own stories in the bedroom. Yeah. So one of, I, I 
have read your book, Replenish, oh, which is you. one of my, my favorite. I thought you did such an amazing job with this. And you also talk about this where uh, you talk about your the, the sexual soil and mm-hmm. all of that. And I think, you know, running really parallel to the ability to create your own story, your own life story is creating your own sexual story. And I think just the title of your book, Replenish, is just such a beautiful, the imagery that that creates and, you know, the idea that God created us to be sexual beings for a reason, that we could take from this beautiful experience with another human, the replenishing power. And if you think about sex, it is literally the ability to create life. It's partnering with God and creating, bringing life into existence. And I do believe that your sexual relationship with your spouse is about creating your life together. What is this life that you want to create? It is the creative power. You are creating not only a physical life, but you are creating your life together and your story. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. I, I love the idea of replenishment and that was totally just inspired. But I I do know that we're here to multiply and to replenish within the sexual relationship. So what do you say to people that you coach or work with who experience sexual shame and they've come from backgrounds where in their family of origin and all that blueprinting we've talked about is that sex is a taboo subject. It's dirty. We don't want to talk about it. And now they're married and this is all go ahead and have a great time. What what do you say to those folks? Yeah. And I think it is very similar to what we've been talking about, about rewriting that story. I think you have to decide, is that shame or the ideas that were kind of given to you, is it serving you? Is it giving you the relationship with your partner that you want? Is it replenishing? Is it, you know, doing what you need it to do for you, right? And so if the answer to any, is it making you show up in the way you want to sexually in your relationship, right? And I think if the answer to any of that is no, then it's time to really rewrite that. It's time to start doing those thought downloads. It's start. It's time to start examining what was planted in my garden. Mm-hmm. You know, is it vegetables that I don't like and flowers that I'm allergic to? And you know, has it been neglected for so long that there's just weeds taking over and choking out the goodness? And if that's the case, then it's time to take control of that garden. It's time to get rid of the bad stuff. It's time to nourish the soil. And that means, what does that look like? What does that mean? That means getting a better sexual education from people like Tammy Hill and Mm. from me and Jennifer Finless and Fife. And there are lots of people out there who are teaching really good sexual principles. And you just have to find the ones that you connect with, that you relate with, that you can understand. And that's those are the nutrients that you're now putting into the soil. But you've got to do the work. You've got to rototill it. And then you've got to decide what would be nourishing to me. What kind of vegetables and fruits and flowers would be really nourishing to this relationship that are going to create the story of my life that I want to be remembered for? So if your parents weren't affectionate with each other, is that working for you? 
Or would you like to replace that with something different? Would you like to hand something different down to your children? A concept I talk a lot about is this idea of a transitional character. And that is someone who in a single generation filters out the patterns or the things that are not working and they change it for their lineage. And so they take responsibility for problems that they didn't create. So whatever was handed down to you is what was handed down to you. Now you have the opportunity, you have the choice. Is this what I want to hand down to my own children or is it something different? And then you've got to go through that process we talked about and rewrite those stories for yourself. Mm -hmm. You've got to get better information. You've got to make create a better blueprint and you've got to show your children what is possible? Oh, it's so well said. I'm going to just push a little farther on this question because this is huge. And in my office, when I'm working with couples, often I will have one spouse all in going mm-hmm. through their garden and taking out the weeds and nourishing it with information and one spouse that doesn't really want to change. And mm-hmm. and I understand that we can only change ourselves, but within a covenant marriage, this sexual peace is relational. What do we do or what tips do you have for couples where one spouse is all in wanting to make this healthy sexual change and the other spouse is resistant to it? Yeah. I mean, that is so hard mm-hmm. because we can't take away other people's agency and we can't require other people to change. But what we can do is make the best choices for ourselves. And sometimes those are really hard choices that they have really difficult consequences for us. But all we can do is show up in integrity and make the best choices for ourselves. And so we take the information that our partner is giving us. If they don't want to change, then maybe we have to change something, right? We have to either decide that we're going to be okay with that, or we have to decide that we're not going to be okay with that. And then what are we going to do in relation to who they are? So the great thing about marriage is it is a dynamic. You can't change one of the inputs and not change the dynamic. And so a lot of times it's just a matter of changing your input because you're both participating in this dynamic. And so if you're doing the same thing you've always done, you're going to get the results that you've always gotten. So it takes two people to keep the dynamic the same, but only one to change it. So if you're changing the input and you're being really honest and in integrity with what you want, then it's going to change the dynamic for better or for worse. And you have to be willing to then live with the consequences of of what that is. And that's what's really hard, but that's the reality. Yeah. I so appreciate what you said. It is spot on with everything I believe is we're often told it takes two people to make a marriage work and two people are involved in a marriage. However, one person can make change and will Mm -hmm. make change. If as me and my marriage, if I'm choosing with integrity and investing in gaining information to help me grow and to have more of a relationship I'm looking to have with my spouse, I'm still raising the height, the goodness of the relationship, which will shift the homeostasis into a pattern that typically it shifts into a more helpful pattern. And so one person can change a relationship. I'm so glad you said that. A lot of people don't believe that, but I believe that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of one of those laws. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, you're right. I could talk to you all day. It's so fun to talk to you. <laughs> Let me jump into a question that I love, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. So, Monica, I, through my life, and I know through your life, that we've experienced opposition. We've had gone through hard things. And and sometimes we look back at those and our story is all about the hard things we've done and not about the beauty that comes out on the other side. And I'm just curious, when you think about these challenging times that you've gone through and the opposition that you've lived through with your husband and you've endured together and, and worked through these things, what is it like now? Because you went through these difficult times, doesn't it make it sweeter now? Yeah, I think, you know, my husband and I have been through a lot of challenges, both together and personally. And I I have this story that I often tell, and it's about, you know, it's around this time that I was telling you about where it just was really difficult. I had all these small children. My husband was going to work every day and coming back to like absolute chaos. And I remember thinking, man, I went to college. I got really good grades. I have a great education. Like there has to be more to my life than this. And that was the story I kept telling myself. Like I I should be doing something more than this. And I remember specifically one night my husband came home from work and it was later he had worked, you know, he had worked really late and I had gotten the kids in bed and I was just sitting under the table bawling, crying, picking up, you know, the gummy mac and cheese. (laughs) And I just was having this thought so violently in my whole being that like, I was made for more than this, like than than picking up the crusty mac and cheese off the floor. And so I was bawling, crying, and my husband came home and climbed under the table with me. And we were both just picking up these macaroni and I was wearing a big oversized stained t-shirt and sweats. And I was telling him that I, I feel like this is shouldn't be my life. And he asked me, he just very calmly asked me, what did you think your life would look like raising three small children? And I didn't really know the answer to that question, but what I did know is that I didn't want to give that vision to my children that I resented them somehow, that they were taking something away from me and that I didn't appreciate or love the life that I had. And so I realized in that moment, like literally under that table, that it was my choice to either love this period of my life or hate it. And so I just chose right then and there that, you know what, this is a small window of time. It was like, almost like God gifted me this huge perspective of like, this is a short window of time where you're going to be, you know, have spit up on you and underneath the table and picking up macaroni and cheese. And I can either love it and show my children that they are my greatest gift in all of the messiness and imperfection that ensues from them. Or I could show them that I hate it and I don't appreciate all of this. And I just chose to start loving it. (laughs) And I know it sounds really simple, but it was like through that kind of fire that I learned that it's always a choice. And I think even now, I mean, I have a bunch of teenagers, they're very independent and 
but I still get these challenges. Like I was telling you, even when we jumped on this podcast, it was like, you know, I'm trying to help my missionary get into BYU from another country and, you know, the login's not working. And it's like, it's like, I feel like whenever I'm trying to do really good, I'm on the precipice of something great is about to happen. It's like, can you handle this? Can you handle that? Can you choose to still find joy in this, even though it's hard and there's a roadblock and, you know, you're going to have to overcome something, right? And I think that's how God shows us our strength and God allows us to work through things that are really hard so that we can really, truly appreciate what's on the other side of it. 100% agree. I'm so grateful for that example. And I can picture you under the table. I think young <laughs> mothers of young children probably have everyone that I know has had a similar experience where I can remember going jogging one day on a trail above my home saying, I'm intelligent. I can earn money. I can, I don't need to do this. And why am I doing this? I'm a smart person and all that yes. battle. And then just realizing so clearly that in a big perspective, overarching of entire life, this is a moment in time. And now at my age, which is so much later now, I look at my little grandchildren and my daughters-in-law are going through similar times like you were just yeah. describing. And I want to, I just say to him, it will pass. <laughs> it will pass and they'll be grown up and gone. And, and I miss, I miss those babies now. And I never thought I would say that, but it's, it's really true. The law of opposition is real. It is so real. And I think one of the beautiful things that we have in in our life is I explained to you a little bit earlier, my parents got a divorce and my mom moved really far away. And I feel like she had to learn in a really painful and difficult way some of the things that she later gifted me with so that I didn't have to learn them in such a painful way. Mm -hmm. And so like when I was you know, having that crippling anxiety and it was about to blow up my life, you know, my mom could use all of that experience and all of that perspective that she had to gain for herself to help me kind of see that bigger picture. And I think we have the opportunity every time we go through something challenging, it's like giving us this gift that now we can pass along to our children, our grandchildren, or the people in our community that really need it. Mm. Yeah, it is a gift to share things like that and to have people share with us. Monica, you are just a bundle of such good information. Tell people how they can find you. Oh, thank you. The easiest way is just to go to my website, which is just my name, monicatanner.com. And from there, you can find my Secrets of Happily Ever After podcast. I have a YouTube channel. And I also have this really fun membership for couples. It's called the Passionate Marriage Club. And it's super affordable. And it's just a place where we can talk about the laws of connection and learn these relational skills that can help you really experience this Happily Ever After love story. But I will caution it's not an easy thing. It is painful, but we know that anything worth having requires a little bit of effort. And so my promise is not that life will be easy, but that if we invest our time, energy, and financial resources into our marriage, that we will be able to make it something wonderful that we can be proud of and write that love story that we want to be remembered for. Mm, so beautiful. 
So you know this is the Live Your Why podcast, and I always like to kind of wrap up hearing my guests' why. And so, Monica Tanner, can you share your why with us? Yeah, absolutely. And I love this question, and I will tell you that I was challenged by it, (laughs) but... I think my why is just to become that transitional character. If you look back into my lineage, my grandparents divorced, my parents divorced. And for me, it is so very, very important to change that for my children and the generations that come after me. And I know now that it is possible. And so every time I learn something that is helping me create a better story, I love to share it with others. And it it may help people and it may not, but I now live by the life philosophy of hope, which stands for help one person every day. And so if I can have the ability to just help one person every day, find a little bit more hope in the the reality or possibility of happily ever after, that's what that's my why. Mm, I love it. You are a beautiful person. And I want everyone to know you would find wonderful information on Monica's website. If you need more help, please look her up and you won't regret it. Thank you so much, Monica. Mm, thank you, Tammy. I learned so much from you too. I want you to know you're one of my greatest mentors. Oh, thank you. Thank you.